The term narcissist is used a lot to describe people who are selfish, but being self-centered is not the same as the clinical diagnosis of narcissistic personality disorder, also known as NPD. Today, I will go more in depth relating to 10 key indicators that you may be dealing with a narcissist. This education is for your benefit and your benefit only. It is never indicated to confront a narcissist by telling them they are a narcissist. They will not entertain the fact that they are flawed, right? Because that's part of the narcissist profile is admitting that they're flawed goes against you know, they're built up inflated ego. So, you know, they're never going to admit one that they're flawed as this will only cause an injury to that ego and incite more hostility and more rage. Confronting a narcissist will only frustrate you more and you may even be accused of being the narcissist at that point. So you're going in circles. So I suggest that this information is just kept in the back of your mind to be used as an observer to compare against, right? Because you don't want to further incite more injury, all right? So today's information is for you to identify these characteristics and begin your own individual healing process by working on mastering your boundaries, mastering self-love, mastering self-regulation, all right? So, if you're new here, you are tuning into the Rise Station podcast. I'm your host, Pernella Harris, licensed mental health professional, bringing you everyday wellness tips and mental health education. If you like what you hear today, please go ahead and subscribe so that you receive alerts every Monday at 7 a.m. when a new episode is uploaded. I would like to give a shout out to my Rise tribe, my loyal listeners who rise and vibe with me every single week. Thank you so much for your support. Listen, before we go ahead and get into today's topic, let's hear a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Restorative Family Services. We are a behavioral health practice. Our mission is to provide quality, affordable, and accessible mental health care to the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. If you are struggling and in a dark place, we are here to help. Visit our website at www.restorativefamilyservices.com. This podcast is brought to you by Private Practice, where we provide leadership training and practice management coaching specific to helping mental health professionals build their private practice to provide a much needed service for their community. Want to learn more? Visit our website at www.privatepractice.com. I want to start by defining what a narcissist is. Someone who fits the clinical profile of NPD is someone who may demonstrate an inflated sense of self-importance, their own self-importance, a deep need for excessive attention and admiration. They may have troubled relationships and the very cornerstone trait is they lack empathy for others. Now, Behind the mask of their inflated sense of self-esteem or inflated confidence is a very fragile self-esteem that is vulnerable even to the slightest criticism. 
Individuals with NPD typically come from families where their emotional needs were not adequately met by their parent or caregivers, right? When you think about narcissism, narcissism and codependency are trauma responses from, you know, the same coin, but they're two different sides of the same coin. For codependents, right, their emotional needs were not adequately met by their parents. And what they've done is they said, okay, in order for me to get the love that I need, I need to focus my attention outward. I need to people please. I need to be responsible for others. I need to give more. I need to keep giving, giving, giving in hopes that I earn people's love and admiration. Whereas on the flip side of that coin, right, the narcissist, Emotional needs were not met by their caregivers. And what they said is, well, you know what? I can't trust anyone to meet my needs. The people who I thought I could depend on, I can't depend on. So I have to depend on me. I have to lie, cheat, and steal and do whatever I need to do, manipulate and control to get my needs met by all costs. So I'm going to use other people to meet my needs. So they turn it inward. So because the narcissist has never mastered a healthy sense of self, they walk around with a lot of shame and guilt, right? Never feeling good enough, always having to prove their worth to other people, make it a competition. They keep their core feelings of this shame and guilt hidden for most people. And they project a very confident, well put together mask that is superior. I'm more important than other people. I am superior than other people. I am special. Right. But underneath that mask is that fragile self-esteem that feeds off of external validation. We call this external validation narcissistic supply. All right. And so narcissistic supply is attention, admiration, esteem, praise from other people. Right. That they're always chasing that feeling to be accepted, that feeling of power and status. And so while they're chasing that, they have to create scenarios in their external environment that proves that they are superior. So they may put people down, right? You know, insult individuals because it proves that they have a superior standing. They may even incite negative reactions, which can also be a source of narcissistic supply because again, they're looking for attention. So for example, when you think of narcissism, it is someone who has a very immature emotional intelligence. They're unable to be emotionally mature about certain situations. So when you think of like toddlers, right? Toddlers who are emotionally immature will sometimes need attention and they will do things that are negative to receive that attention because they don't like being ignored. So they have to do something that gets their parents' attention, whether it's good or bad, attention is attention. And the same thing holds true with a narcissist. It's just usually in a bigger body. So you're expecting something different. All right, because most narcissists wear a mask to fool people they're in relationships with, it's difficult to spot most of us we like to look for the best in people. We like to give people the benefit of the doubt. And so we may overlook a lot of these red flags that I'm going to go into later. This is why educating ourselves of the telltale size, if you're dealing with a narcissist, is going to be beneficial because the abuse 
endured in this relationship is so subtle and it happens over time that you may not even be aware that you're in these type of relationships. So if you think you may be dealing with a narcissist, I suggest that you seek out more information, more education, and YouTube is a great place to start. Okay. So if you just Googled or did a search on YouTube, a lot of creators will come up because this is a topic that is getting a lot of information, a lot of education and awareness around. Okay. So before I get into the telltale signs, I want to make you aware of the cycle of narc abuse. Okay. There are three pillars to this cycle. Let me just go over the three and then we'll go into each one of them. But the three pillars are IDD, idealization phase. There is the devaluing phase. And then there is the discard phase. Okay, so let's unpack this. The idealization phase, that is also known as like the honeymoon phase. That's when you're first getting to know the narcissist, right? You're going to be love bombed where it's going to be very intense. The relationship tends to move quickly. The narcissist is looking to rush intimacy. They may spend a lot of time with you. They may give you lots of attention, take you on expensive dates, do grand gestures. Maybe they send flowers to your job, send you gifts. This stage is like, it feels amazing, right? And you may feel like, hey, this is the perfect partner. And they're going to tell you you're the perfect person for them. You're probably their soulmate. They've never met anyone like you. They're going to isolate you in the name of love. So they're going to isolate you by wanting to spend every moment. Again, they're rushing the intimacy piece of it. Okay. This stage is you're put on a pedestal. They're spending a lot of time wanting to get to know you and things of that nature. Okay. The second stage after that stage. So once commitment is made, you're in a committed relationship. Now you've settled into your routine devalue phase is when you're knocked off of that pedestal. This is the phase where you'll start to see a lot more of the toxic traits, the insults, the emotional abuse. Some may even experience physical abuse, withholding of love and attention, silent treatments, accusing you of cheating, triangulation, gaslighting. And it's all in an attempt to gain control, right? Because this is the molding phase. This is the phase where they're going to be molding you to be a partner who is easily controlled and manipulated, okay? And then there is the third phase is the discard phase. And this is typically the end of the relationship. This is after they have already found a new supply and they discard and move on to the new supply. During this phase, you'll see contempt, rage. You'll see them playing victim and validating your feelings blame game. So these are the cycle of abuse. And sometimes relationships will go through these three cycles over and over again until the final discard, because after the discard, they may hoover and, you know, tell you, you were right. I need, I will change. And then you go back to that idealization phase all over again. And then you go through this cycle again. You know, one of my favorite content creators and uh, expert on narcissistic abuse is Dr. Romney. You can find a lot of her videos on YouTube. One of the things that Dr. Romney indicated is like, 
The cycle of narcissistic abuse is similar to playing the slot machines, right? You know, when you first sit down at a slot machine, you put your coins and the first couple of times to get you hooked, they'll allow you to win. So you're winning, 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 and you keep playing. And then the winning becomes less and less frequent, but you're still chasing the jackpot. So you sit there and you continue to play, even though you're losing money at that time. So when you think of the idealization phase, right, that's the jackpot phase. That's the phase where you're getting everything. He's doing everything. She's doing everything you want them to do. They're like the perfect partners, right? And then in the devaluing phase, you start to see a little more of the toxic behaviors. You're starting to see the manipulation and you're in that losing phase. But, you know, in order to extend out this cycle, there are going to be some wins in the devaluing phase so that you keep chasing, you know, a good example is, let's say during the devalue phase, right, you confront the narcissistic person about cheating on you. And they then say, well, I cheated because this person makes me feel important. You know, they they make me feel um, good and you're always working. You have no time for me, essentially blaming you for the cheating. And so you really want this relationship to work. So what you're going to do is, okay, we'll work on it. I'll spend more time with you. I'll quit my job. But the goal of that, right? The goal of that emotional manipulation, the goal of blaming you to make you feel that their poor behavior was your fault is so that you give more narcissistic supply. So It's like playing that jackpot, right? You're chasing the jackpot because you want to get back to that idealization phase. So you're willing to put more effort in. You're willing to do more, okay? And the wins are far and few between. And then there's a discard phase where either you discard the narcissist where you say, okay, I don't want to play this game anymore. Or the narcissist says, okay, I'm not getting what I need. I have a new supply who is going to give me what I need. And there you go. And so the end result, once you leave a relationship where there is this type of emotional abuse, is it is very difficult to overcome that because, you know, there's been a lot of time, you know, questioning your own reality. There's been a lot of time where you're not sure if it was them or you or if you're flawed, but you're left with a lot of shame, a lot of guilt a lowered self-esteem. And so prevention and understanding and education is how we combat this. And this is why we're going over the telltale signs that you are dealing with a narcissist so that you can start your healing process. All right. So that's what we're getting into next. We're getting right on into it. The telltale signs. I have 10 telltale signs that you might be dealing with a narcissist. Now, remember, you can go to the show notes so that you can print out this list and refer back to it. Or you could just keep playing the um, podcast over and over again. So let's get into it. So what does this look like when you're actually in a relationship with a narcissist? Number one, upon the first meeting, Upon first meeting them, you know, in that initial, that idealization phase, right? Things will typically move very quickly. They will rush intimacy, saying things like, I miss you. You're my perfect partner. You're my soulmate. Oh my God, you're like the woman I've been praying for. 
you just seem so unreal, right? What they're doing is they're placing you on this pedestal and they're going to want to spend as much time as possible and getting to know you and getting to know you very quickly. They will seemingly be very interested in your life, right? They want to discover your values. They want to discover your insecurities uh, while presenting to you exactly what you say you want. So they might ask you, well, what are you looking for in a man, right? That might be the first, that's usually the first question most people ask uh, when they're dating. What are you looking for in a relationship? What are you looking for in a partner? What are you looking for in a woman? Things of that nature. So when you express what it is that you're looking for, they're building the mask. They're going to do exactly what you said to do. They don't need to think about it because you've told them exactly what it is that you want. And so they're going to do those to get you hooked or get you addicted, kind of like that jackpot, right? It's like giving you the jackpot, like, okay, I'm going to make you fall in love with me very quickly. I'm going to do all the things that you didn't get. Or if you're talking about what you didn't get in your last relationship, they're going to do that. And that's part of the mass. That's part of the draw to get you connected to them, to get you vulnerable with them. Okay. Number two is they tend to treat people who they do not value with a sense of superiority or entitlement, right? So pay attention, pay attention to how they treat people in service positions or in lower positions than them. So for example, if you go to a restaurant, pay attention to how they treat the wait staff, especially if there's a mistake that is made. Pay attention to when they're telling you about work, how they're treating subordinates, if they have subordinates or co-workers, car wash attendants, uh, their children, their ex-partners. Pay attention to how they're treating other people. And a lot of times we overlook this piece of it because it's not directly involving us, um, but pay attention. Number three, they like to dominate the discussion, right? Reciprocity is a difficult pill for a narcissist when you ask them about their day. They may not reciprocate and ask you about yours, right? They might tell you everything that happened at work and you're an afterthought. Oh, oh, I didn't ask you about your day. Oh, I'm sorry. Or let's say you bring up a topic and they state their opinion about the topic. But pay attention. Are they asking you what your opinion about the topic is? Pay attention to that. If you're speaking, right, Let's say you're speaking about something and they cut you off mid-sentence. And this happens not just one time, but this happens like on a routine basis to state their opinion. The message that they're sending that they're not particularly saying is that what you have to say is not valuable. All right. So pay attention. Number four. They feel they are superior and should be treated as such. So they just have this sense that, you know, they're special. So when they speak to you, sometimes their words and the tone that they're speaking to you and it's condescending, like it creates a hierarchy. You know, for example, let's say you're discussing finances. Oh, you wouldn't understand. This is complex stuff. You, you wouldn't understand these things. Or stating things like the kids get their looks from their side of the family because they have superior genes, right? Their genes are the super genes. Or stating things like I should not have to help around the house as much because 
my job is more important than yours. I mean, I bring home more money. I'm more important. So pay attention to those things. Using emotional manipulation to control you. So this is, you know, a lot of times narcissists will get with people who are very compassionate and very empathetic and giving. So it just takes a little bit of leaning on the emotions to get someone to comply because they start to feel guilty. They start to feel bad and they care about the feelings of the other person. So they typically will comply. So here's an example, right? After a girl's night out, an argument ensues in which the narcissist partner, you know, I'm using um, male here because I typically work with women. So, um, but that doesn't mean that women, there are narcissistic women out there, but I'll, I'll give you an example of what that looks like. But so after girls night out, an argument ensues in which, you know, your spouse, boyfriend, partner says, you know what? You typically put everyone else before me. You know, again, they're playing the victim and they're playing on your heartstrings, right? So you're like, oh no, baby, I love you so much and I'm going to do better. I'm going to plan all these dates for us. I'm going to show you how much I care about you. Again, the need or the goal of this statement is emotional manipulative tactic to get you to do more to increase the supply to increase the supply. It also controls the person because if the narcissist can isolate you socially, so if you're not going out as much with your girlfriends, then you don't have so much external influence. And it's a way to create dependency on the narcissist. So with female narcissists, female narcissists are a little bit different in the sense that they are looking for social status. A lot of emphasis is placed on the female narcissist being better than their peer group, better than anyone in their social setting. So if they have children, they're going to want to use their children to get social status. So they're going to want to use their children in a way that look what my child did, look at how great of a mom I am. But if you're in the dating realm, typically the same tactics of emotional manipulation are used. However, they are used to emasculate their male partner. So, for example, if they're not pleased with their partner's behavior, for example, they may say things like, oh, well, you know, my previous exes all made sure that I was well taken care of and you are not meeting the mark. So what that does to the male ego is that, oh, no, I don't want to be outdone. So it makes sure that they continue to compete for their partner's attention. So it's the same type of emotional manipulation, or they may use other tactics that, you know, emasculate their partner. A real man would do X, Y, and Z, whatever you need them to do. So their partner then competes and and needs to feel like a real man and wants to gain the respect. So what they're doing is giving that female narcissist more narcissistic supply 
by continuously competing and jumping through hoops to please them. Okay, so that is emotional manipulation to control. Number five, they will treat strangers. The narcissist will treat complete strangers better than the people closest to them. So pay attention. The narcissist is about power and status. So they put on what we call a representative, a social representative, which is a mask out to the public eye, right? They are charming individuals, people in the community love them. Oh, they're such a great guy. What that's doing is that's feeding their ego, it's giving them praise, it's giving them narcissistic supply. But the people who they can't fool are the people who are with them day in and day out. Those are the people that spend the most time with them. Those are their family. Those are the people that they show the ugly side, the toxic, the devaluing side, the moody side too. So it is not surprising that they will go out of their way for complete strangers and treat the people who are closest to them like crap. And what happens is if you're not aware of this, right, you're in a relationship with this narcissist and you see that they have the capacity to be these loving, charming individuals to these strangers. So you, you know, it plays on your psyche. It's like, well, they have the ability. Maybe it is me. Maybe I should change. Maybe if I just did this differently, maybe if I just worked on myself, maybe if I gave more of what they were saying, maybe if I did that, that we would be back to where we used to be, or they would be more loving towards me. Again, it's a way to compete for their love, their attention, their affection. I hope you've been enjoying this helpful list so far. Next week, I'll be going over tips six through 10 of our 10 telltale signs that you are dealing with a narcissist. So tune in next week so that we can go ahead and complete our list. Until next week, enjoy your day on purpose. If you have found this episode helpful, help us grow our audience. By providing us with a five-star review, you help make this podcast visible to others. Help pull others out of a dark space by showing that you care, by sharing this podcast with them. Nothing is better than a friend or loved one who wants you to up-level your life with them. Thanks for tuning in.